Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast. Welcome back to the Church Planner Podcast. This is Peyton Jones, and in the olden days, we used to call this hardcore church planning because it was the interview show, but we're not that fancy these days. But I want to introduce my guest today. My guest is DJ Sariba. I said that right, right, DJ? We just knew you as yeah. DJ. DJ, yeah. and cool. his amazing wife, Jane, is not here today. But uh, she and DJ were a big part of Refuge Long Beach. Uh, in fact, um, DJ, we probably should just get that out of the way right now and just have you tell the story of how you you, you met me. <laughs> Um, so we had just, we just moved to Long Beach from Tampa, Florida. And that day, um, or the, the previous night, I had a conversation with my older brother and we were talking about someone who we knew who had just swindled a church out of, I don't know how many dollars. Right. And, um, so we go to Bigsby Park to go work out and in the park, we hear someone preaching. And so. I uh, tell my wife, I said, man, these people have no shame. They're over here and they're, they want to take all these poor people's money by having a church in this park. So my wife says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to listen to this bozo. And if I don't like what he says, I'm going to go punch him in the face. And so my wife goes, <laughs> okay. So she runs around the park, you know, and um, I sit down and I'm by where the old restrooms used to be. Yeah, so I'm kind of behind where you were speaking. And uh, as soon as I sit down, Tim Snyder pulls up and he's watching me out of the corner of his mm, eye. He was our bouncer. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm listening to you. And as you were speaking, I'm really wishing you would say something. And you didn't say anything I, I disagreed with. You even quoted, I don't know if it was uh, um, um, the Red Hot Chili Guys. 
or the, the Red Hot Chili Peppers guy or the U2 or Bono, but you quoted something that I, I remembered. And I said, man, what kind of preacher is this? He's, he's got these people that he's quoting in his sermon. <laughs> and, and Jane comes back after you're done, after she's done, and she says, so what's the deal? Are we going to go punch his face in or what? And I said, no. She says, why? I said, well, I agree. I kind of sort of agree with everything he said. So she said, what are we going to do? I said, I think we should come back next week. And we came back next week, and I guess, as they say, the rest is history, you know? Right. The rest was history. If you've ever heard uh, me say that we had a secret cog leader that we couldn't tell him that he was a cog leader, it was DJ. He and I spoke a few weeks ago and he said, actually, Peyton, at a certain point, I did know. So uh, we weren't playing him. He was playing us. But he had a passion for prayer that is continuing as a part of his story today. But before we get into that, because uh, the, the church... Refuge Long Beach actually merged uh, pre-COVID, which I thought was kind of a little bit prophetic, but it merged into uh, something called One Church, um, which was a merger with the guy that we wanted Chris Langham to hand off to, which uh, we'll talk more. We're going to talk to him, uh, Terrence Brooks, as a future guest. Um, but Terrence was a guy that that Chris and I said, man, if we could get anyone to take Refuge Long Beach we should get Terrence Brooks to take it. And uh, and it, it, that's another crazy God story that's going to come about. But uh, you have probably one of the most interesting backgrounds. Like it, when you're in ministry, you just meet really interesting people with really cool stories. And your story uh, is pretty dang cool. So could you just give maybe a five-minute backstory of who DJ is, um, you know, where you're from, what you're upbringing, how you came to how you first heard the gospel, you know, the influence. I know your parents are big in that story. I love your story. Yeah. You just share it with our audience. So I was um, born and raised in a country called Zambia, which is in Southern Africa. Um, my parents had uh, emigrated there from India. So when they moved there, they were, they were staunch Hindus. And um, when I, I was born pretty premature, the doctors said uh, to my parents that I wasn't going to make it because I had a hole in my lung. Um, my, my dad had one of his coworkers give him a magazine that said the power of the Holy Ghost, trying to convert him. And he would just bring it home, put it on the coffee table. Doctors are telling my parents I'm going to die. No, none of the medications are working. I'm not healthy enough to ingest any of the meds. And so my mom is reading through this magazine and she says, you know, this guy in this magazine believes in this God that says he can heal our child. We're praying to all the millions of idols and, I mean, gods that we know, and nothing's happening. So maybe we should give this guy a call. Now, my dad, being the Indian that he was, he was like, that's an international call. It's expensive. Don't, my mom doesn't care. She calls, she calls some guy in, in America, and he has a crash course in salvation. She accepts Christ. They pray over the phone. As soon as she puts the phone down, they can't hear anything in the house. So my mom thinks I'm dead. She goes to my crib and I'm just there chilling, you know. She gives me something to nibble on. I, I start taking all the meds. I had a hole in my lung that they said was never going to get better. They take me to the hospital. There's no more hole in the lung. I'm breathing. Everything's fine. I'm growing. And now I'm almost, you know, 5'11", 238 pounds. I made it. So my mom, since then, 
Christian. My dad, um, same similar story. I grew up in the Pentecostal church with my mom, hating every minute of it. I couldn't stand it. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I wound up going back to church because I wanted to play drums and I wanted to learn uh, recording and sound. And the church that my mom was going to was planted in our home, started in our house and branched out. So I started going there and um, wound up becoming a youth leader. I had like 60 kids under me. And I discovered something about that pastor that really, really hurt me and pushed me far away from the church. As, and I ran as far away as possible. So when I moved to America, I came to school, I decided I want to have nothing to do with church. I hate church. All churches are evil. They're bad places. Until I met my wife, who God used to bring me back towards him. I, I used to drink alcohol every day. I was a functional alcoholic. In between lunch breaks, I'd go out, take a shot, come back into work. And when I met Jane, um, she reintroduced me to God because I, there was one time I was sitting almost blacked out and she texted me while we were still dating. Where are, We weren't even dating, we were just friends. So she says, where are you? And I said, I'm, I'm over here. And I couldn't understand why she was so concerned. And she says, you know, it's just the love of God that that moves me to care for you. And um, I couldn't understand that love that I never felt in the church, you know, and, um, you know, my back, back, backtrack, my parents were very abusive towards each other. My dad used to beat up my mom. My mom used to just get pummeled almost every other day. So there was a lot of violence in my home. And, you know, my dad at this point had already made a U-turn. So this is right before I get married. He's made his U-turn. He's, he started following God. So I've seen that change in my life. And God uses Jane to bring me back to, to God. And um, as quick as I can, Jane used to have a Bible study in her home that I used to go to. We fell in love. We dated, courted for two years, got married. And the way we got married was very supernatural. Um, we were fasting, praying, fasting, and doing all that stuff. And I asked God, I said, hey, you know, I really love this woman. Show me if you want me to love her. I mean, want me to marry her. And that night I had a dream. And in the dream, I, I was with a 14-year-old brown-haired girl that looked nothing like Jane. And she was saying, since we're getting married, you're going to meet my parents first. And I wake up. And later that day, Jane says, can you help me move some boxes around my house? So I go over there. I'm moving the box. And this picture falls out. And the picture is a picture of the woman, the girl in my dream. And I said to Jane, who's that? And she frowns. She says, oh, I hate that picture. That's a picture of me when I was 13 or 14. And I just started weeping and mm. crying. I went into the I went into the bathroom. You know, I'm a man. I can't cry in front of people, right? Yeah. <laughs> Karate man. So, Karate man, no bruise so, on the outside. <laughs> so um, ever since that day, you know, ever since then, I've really been trying to follow God as best as I can and try to get, you know, as close as I can to yeah. God. And when I, when I, we were struggling, we were really struggling. So when we met Refuge Long Beach in Long Beach, it was prayer answered from God, mm. you know, because we, we, uh, we were trying really hard to get involved in a church because the church we went to at Tampa was super uber legalistic. 
You know, if you had done this, you can't serve. If you did that, you can't serve. You, you needed to be like this holy spotless person. And we weren't that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so when we came to Long Beach, the first thing they do is like, oh, yeah, whatever you can help with. Or can you help with that? Or can you help us do this? Or can you do that? What, what are you good at doing? And immediately, like within weeks of going to refuge Long Beach, we not only saw people getting so engrossed and involved, but we also started getting involved. And that, that was, after that point, there was no turning back. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and God put a hand in us to want to serve, to want to get closer to him and, and, you know, delve into spiritual gifts. And because like most of my life as a Christian has been rooted in something crazy supernatural, I've always um, gravitated towards that aspect of Christianity. Yeah. Like I've always wanted to see crazy things happen and yeah. unexplainable things happen, you know? So I've and yet, always tried to focus on that, you know? And yet you're, you're, I wouldn't say you're cynical, but you're, um, you always kind of had a low, I mean, kind of like, you know, our friendships origin story, how we met, um, you've had a low tolerance for nonsense. So that's what I love about you is that dichotomy where it's like, if it's God, you're all in. If it's man, you're like, yeah, I really don't got time for that. And one of the cool things, man, like looking back, I mean, I cannot honestly picture Refuge Long Beach without you, except for the time in which it was evident that you and Ruben were going to team up and um, you know, you, th- that church plant core team, because we would always play jokes on our people in our church. We, we played a prank on Ruben. All of our cogs were actually core teams. And we told eventually we'd let everyone in on yeah. it. Hey, that's your core team. You're going to plant out with, with that group of people. And it was just by that time, it was super evident to you guys. And you guys went down to San Pedro, um, but you incubated that church plant out of your living room. And so, uh, there's just so much we could talk about, but I do want to shift gears to when the church merged, you and I were talking a few weeks ago, and you just mentioned that you guys had started at a certain point praying and fasting, and you did that for 40 days. You set aside 40 days of praying and fasting, and then bam, the Holy Spirit began to turn up. And, and the reason this is important to my audience is that everybody knows about Acts chapter two, and everybody's always quoting Acts chapter two, and they gave themselves the apostles teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship and prayer. Um, you know, they, they uh, met daily going from house to house, you know, all of that. However, not many people want to talk about Acts chapter one. When you and I spoke recently, you're like, Hey, let me tell you about Acts chapter one. Let me tell you that we just gathered together and prayed. Can you kind of dig into that a bit? What brought that on? And, you know, what has the Holy Spirit done since? So, um, you know, it's, it's one of those funny things that um, um, me and Jane at home praying, we just say, hey, you know, if the Holy Spirit's going to work in this church and through us and, 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 and uh, things are going to happen, we, we need to get in a place where the Holy Spirit would want to come and, you know, dwell amongst, or if that makes any sense. So in other words, is the environment, like are we where the Holy Spirit wants to manifest, where the Holy Spirit wants to work? You know, are we there or what do we have to do? 
So we start telling us that, you know, we need to pray and fast, we need to purge, we need to get rid of whatever this excess baggage is that might be hindering um, that progress. We go to church and Terrence is saying almost verbatim the exact same things we're saying in our living room. Oh, we need to purge and this, this, and this, and we need to get to a certain place so that the Holy Spirit will manifest. And so along with us, along with Terrence, along with other people in the church that were getting the same thing in their spirit, um, since everyone was on the same wavelength spiritually, we might as well make it a thing. So Terrence announces, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going to go, the whole church is going to go through a period of fast, which was even extended. Uh, and um, slowly people started coming together and say, hey, you know, I really feel the Holy Spirit saying this. And, you know, two other people have the same thing. It, it keeps on going and keeps on going. And before you know it, it becomes stuff that you only read in the Bible. You know, people are getting healed. People are getting, you know, delivered. Demons coming out of people. There's people screaming. There's people weeping. There's people crying. There's people laughing. Like all he's saying is all one after another, one after another. And every, almost every single thing that happened or happened during that period was prophetic because somebody said, or a group of people would say, I feel God's going to do this. And the next Sunday, that happens. Or I feel this is going to happen. And the next Sunday, that happens. So we, we wound up, you know, probably teasing a lot of people off because we were supposed to be out of the building around one. And we would stay there for five because of what's happening, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock, because of what's happening, spiritually speaking, people's lives are really just changing, like completely 180 degree turns on their head every Sunday till today. Things are still happening. People, people are still getting visions and prophecies, and people are still getting healed. And now in our church, we've got groups of people that are kind of like, like, you know, to relate to you, that are deliverance ninjas that go out and they'll go and lay hands on people, and and they'll come back with testimony. Oh, this happened. Oh, this person was healed. That person could see. This person, this and this and that. And it keeps on happening. So because of the fact that it keeps on happening, a lot of us want to keep doing that, i.e., you know, praying, fasting, and invoking the Holy Spirit. Sorry for using that word, but invoking the Holy Spirit and wanting to stay in that presence is, becomes sort of a goal with a lot of us at that church. And it's because we've all been on the same wavelength without sharing notes. And that, to me, have is what I've been craving for a very, very long time. To not only see, but to be part of it. And you know me, when somebody comes and tells me, oh, I was healed, oh, I speak in tongues, I'll go and I'll see, is this real? And, and there's been so many that I've seen that, yeah, okay, I think there's a mental problem there. But right now what I'm seeing is it's just God moving in a in a different way, you know, it's the time, you know, it's now God has decided this is the time that I'm going to start doing these things. And he's chosen us, he's chosen everyone who wants to believe in it to do those things, because that's what he said, you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll be more than happy to give it, you know. 
Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the 40 days of fasting and praying, you know, what was that like? What, what did it, what did the fasting look like for you guys? Was it different for everybody? Was Terrence fasting off a certain thing? Was he fasting off food? How about you? What, what did it look like? And how did, how many people were doing it? And how did the church talk about it, communicate, gather around that? So um, different people fasted off of different things. So it, it, it was pretty much um, what did you think was the biggest hindrance um, in your life spiritually? In other words, what was getting in between you and God? What was distracting you? So, so for some people, it's social media. For some people, they fasted food. For some people, they fasted music or whatever it was that they thought was hindrance. For me, it was, it was food. Um, I fasted food and I did... Um, nothing but liquids for a while, you know, and I would do alternate fast. I would do 24-hour fast, 24-hour fast, 18-hour fast, 12-hour fast, and go on from there. And That's good. I think, I think, um, I think Terrence also did, he did like an extreme fast. Like he did no food for the entire time, you know, and he just did wow. So, you know, I, I I I don't care what it is that that you're you're doing, but it's it's I think it's the heart of it. It's the motive. Is it is it real? Is it yeah? Uh, are you just are you really doing this? Are you doing it for the right reasons? What what is it? And God is such that if you make an effort to get close to Him. Right. He told you, then I'll, I'll come close to you. Yeah, he promised, didn't so, he? He said if you if you do yeah. these things, you know, like if if you ask. You know, uh, if your son asks you for a piece of bread, you don't give him a rock, right? And he says, "My heavenly Father's way better than you are on this." And you know, and he in the direct he he specifically says, "When you ask for the Holy Spirit," so that's huge. But let me ask you: um, At what point did you feel things starting to pop or change? Because obviously, probably along the way, you started to change. But was there a point at which you started to sense, like, okay? Things are happening now. Yeah. So after a period of fasting, um, from my recollection, the worship team went nuts, and it happened through through worship, and something something started to everybody started to feel it, and people who never worshipped before, if you're like me and you like to stay in the back with your hands like this, and so that nobody can see you. Picture this, in your whole time you've known me, I don't think you've ever seen me scream in church. I was shouting at the top of my voice, along with everyone else, praises and worship to God. And even my wife was like, wow, I have never seen you like that before. And it wasn't just me, it was everyone through the worship. And then when when that started happening, Terrence made uh, a call, and I think it was just a generic call. If anybody wants prayer, come up and we'll pray for you. And then things started happening, you know, and it all, for me, it all started with, with the worship during that time of fasting. Because everyone in the church, basically the core of the church that was present at the church started fasting. And then when things started happening to that core of people where they were getting healed or delivered or 
uh, any prophecy or all these these uh, spiritual gifts just happen one after another. All of a sudden, now their neighbors are at church, or their family members at church, or somebody they know is coming to church, and slowly more bodies are coming to church. But then the same things start happening to those people, you know. Right. And it's uh, it's almost like God used us to intercede for them by us praying and fasting, so that God could reach the elite, so to speak, mm. right? So cool. And 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 that's how it's going. Because, you know, you ask the question, okay, these new people, were they praying and fasting when they got delivered? No, they weren't. But because of what God put in us as a body, in, in, in Terrence, in the leadership, we wound up fasting and praying almost as an intercession to grow and reach people. And, yeah. and, and I haven't had one day of outreach in, in the new church, where in Long Beach, it was outreach twenty four seven every day of the week. Right. You know, that's that's how that's 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 how we were were programmed. And that's what right. our, and then when I came over here, God told us, God told me and James, I'm gonna pour into you guys. I want you guys to sit still for a while so that I can pour into you. Yeah. And and then send you again. You know, so that's that's the phase of uh, our walk that we're in right now as far as James and I are concerned. Well, I love it, man, because it's one of those stories that is not theory. It's not something out of a book. I know you. I know the church. I know uh, some of the players. I know Terrence. Um, this is, you know, uh, this is not Refuge Long Beach. Um, it is some of the the same players after the merge, um, but it's it's other churches coming together uh, to form what's called one church, um, but. I know this to be a legit thing. And I just want to uh, really encourage our listeners to listen to what DJ is saying. You know, I didn't know I'd be able to get DJ on here just because DJ, like he said, he doesn't like the limelight. He doesn't like to be out in front, um, but he's someone I deeply trust. And uh, when he was just telling me about this on the phone, I'm like, you know, this is the missing thing. Like, when he was at Refuge Long Beach, just, you know, case in point, what you were just saying at the end, we were all mission because I planted a more apostolic church. And in the early days, we saw more supernatural. We had a few miracles, a couple of healings, some exorcisms. Those things in the very beginning popped off a little bit more. And then, but where uh, DJ's at now is more of a church with a somewhat prophetic flavor now. And that all of these are legit aspects uh, of Christ's ministry. You won't find one. You're going to find them all there. Um, but there will sometimes be different emphases. And, uh, brother, I appreciate you coming on today and just sharing about this. Uh, my guest has been DJ Sariba. I'm going to give him an opportunity to say just one last thing before we get off here. And then we're going to sign off. DJ, what are your final thoughts? Um, I just wanted to say real quick that even even though it's one church, um, when we were at Refuge, we used to have a prayer meeting on Saturday morning. Yes, we did. And it, it was at that prayer meeting where the, this prophecy started hatching out mm. of not only us losing the name Refuge Long Beach or where we, where, we, where we stayed, but also the prophecy of where we were going to go mm. and what was going to happen when we went there. So all this stuff that's happening, me and Jane and whoever was there, 
started getting those messages from God that this is the next day. So my point is that, you know, if you're waiting on, on you know, the Holy Spirit to come in or God to work, this was five, six years before yep. the event actually happened. And we were sitting there and we were praying, we were praying, Lord, send us, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. Lord, tell us where to go, Lord, tell us what to do. And so we, 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 we were, it was in our spirit to just pray for this stuff. Yep. And now, you know, God has been faithful and God has given us words and God has shown up mm. every single time. It's God. He's always completed. He's always done what he said he was going to do. And yep. that's where my, I, I, I'm at right now. If it wasn't for Refuge Long Beach, I wouldn't be um, inclined to go to church. I wouldn't want to be in ministry. I wouldn't yeah. want, I would I would have so many problems. And it's, it's you guys who meant it. I, I just say that sometimes it doesn't happen overnight and sometimes it does. You know, oh I, I've always thought about this, right? I plant churches I want to stay at, but God put a bungee cord on my back to go do more. I'm planting again right now. And I've never planted thinking, I'm going to plant this church, this name, this institution that we're planting is going to last forever. I always think it's kind of like Paul in his first missionary journey. He rolls through Galatia, Timothy comes to faith. And then what really matters for Timothy is what happens on the Paul's second and third missionary journey. Like to me, that's how I see it. It's it's about people. It's about them being raised up, released in their gifts, empowered with the Holy Spirit, and continuing their mission. It, what you're describing can only happen when all the players involved say it's not about us. It's not about this thing we built. Exactly. It's not about this. And we it's Jesus's church. He can do whatever he wants, and everybody lets go. Yeah. And this is the beautiful stuff. So church planners out there, just know it's not about your church plant. It's about God's glory in your community. So right. we're out of time, but I want to thank DJ uh, for being on here. DJ Sariba, good friend, and also uh, a fellow leader, one of the deacons there, and also one of the planners of Refuge San Pedro as well. And we're just so thrilled to have you, man. Now one of the leaders over at One Church in Lakewood, just on the edge of Long Beach. We want to thank you for coming and sharing your story today. And with that, we will see you next time. Remember, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.